Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. So I thank you for your prayer, but I'm just going to believe the Lord to touch us. I want to kind of tag in, if I can, to where we were two weeks ago, and uh, I hope this that message doesn't do to me what the last one did. <laughs> If it does, if it does, part three is in two more weeks. <laughs> thank, thank the Lord. I'm just teasing. I'm trying to, trying to find myself. If you give me just a minute here, <clears throat> I'm just going to ask the Lord to touch us today, and let's just make a journey. Here's what I need you to help me do. I want our musicians and uh, everybody just come back up at the appropriate time. And if I, I don't finish at the first time, then I'll try finishing the second time. In, in our second service and um, I feel like the Lord has given me something to say and so I'm praying for God to give me the strength to say it and uh, I'm thankful for our future I'm excited about that and uh, I want the Lord to just help us here this morning and so one more time can we just pray and ask the Lord to touch his word to our lives now in Jesus name I love you today Jesus and I thank you for the privilege to be in church I thank you for the desire to be here, for the strength to be here. I'm asking you now, Lord, to just let the presence of your spirit stand with me. Let there just be guardian angels that camp around about us all today. And I pray that your word will just find a lodging place in our heart. And I praise you and I glorify your name today. You're our hope. You're our strength. You have been our hope and strength in our yesterday's and our present and we know that you're going to be that in our future and so I give you praise today in Jesus name praise the Lord praise the Lord you can be seated and uh, two weeks ago I came to you with a message that I feel concerns this church in our future and so I'm going to just go back to that as a title and I want to talk to you about the promise of our future. I felt the Lord had confirmed his word to me many times over prior to the message that I preached a couple of weeks ago. And so this is not a step that we are going to take lightly, nor is this just a knee-jerk response or a reaction to something that we just feel has happened overnight. I think as a church we would agree that God has been doing a work in our midst for a long, long time. And I don't mean that as in a generic way at all, but I think we would agree that God has been doing something very powerful, very substantial, and uh, even beyond what we can see with our eyes or even feel with our hands. We know that God has certainly shown up and he has shown out and he has revealed himself strong in many areas, but I think all of us, uh, at the conclusion of any service, no matter what kind of demonstration may have been present in that service, uh, 
I think we have all walked away with a feeling that there is something larger than this that looms beneath the surface. And so I'm thankful for that. I, I think there is a difference between a person growing and a person swelling. And I think there's a difference between a church growing and a church swelling. And uh, if you're swelling, there's probably something wrong. And if you keep swelling, you're probably going to erupt. But when God can incrementally allow us to grow, and I don't mean just numerically because I think that our spiritual growth must match our numerical growth. It has to stay in balance. The body has to stay in balance. And you know, sometimes the body kind of has to catch up with itself. All of us at some point, or at least a lot of us at some point in our life, um, I watched this happen year after year and season after season with some of our teenagers. They kind of go through, and I don't know if this is a word that everybody uses, but my mother used to say this, and, and I've inherited that, I guess, but uh, my mother used to talk about teenagers kind of going through a gangly stage, where it just seems like, you know, some things are a little bit disproportionate in their lives. Maybe their arms are a little bit longer, and their legs are a little bit longer, and they haven't just kind of caught up with themselves, and so if gangly is not a word, I apologize to that, and and uh, I apologize for that, but I think you know what I'm talking about, just that moment, and you can't continue to go through that. Thank God that in time, everything begins to catch up with itself and kind of levels off. And so there must be that, that uh, balance. And so the Lord in his word taught us that he would, that we would prosper and be in good health, even, if our, even as our soul prospers. So in other words, he said, I think there has to be some balance. If, if a person is prospering and in good health, but they're not growing spiritually, then they can get in trouble with God, even though life seems to be treating them well. I want to prosper and be in good health even as my soul prospers. I want to grow spiritually as well as grow naturally. I believe that God has been preparing us and equipping us slowly but surely because I was convinced that when the Lord was, what the Lord was going to do would just exceed what we have ever done heretofore because I was so convinced of that. I felt that we needed to begin a concerted effort several years ago in, um, in a building fund. And so we began uh, a long time ago just setting monies aside, designated for an official building fund offering. In the very beginning, our offerings were modest and our vision was small. We just had to start somewhere. We had to begin somewhere, but we stayed faithful to what God had called us to do. I don't think that, you know, the scripture says that we should never despise the day of small things. You have to start somewhere. And uh, <coughs> my, uh, my wife and I haven't, haven't always had the things we had today, we have today. And there's a lot of things in life we don't have, but we've been very blessed. But we didn't start out that way. And uh, what we had was very modest and very meager. We didn't have a lot of pots and pans when we first got married. I suppose if it hadn't have been a wedding shower and, and um, concerned family and friends that loved us enough to bring a few things to that wedding shower, we would have had even less than that. And uh, the things that we had, we didn't even know how to use that well. <laughs> but you had to start, we had to start somewhere. And uh, so you just begin, you begin, and so you have to have a beginning. You can't just always say, I can't, I can't, I can't. My wife and I didn't know anything. I like dried beans, but I didn't know how to cook them, and she didn't know anything about them. And so the very first day that 
we had some dry beans. We had a crock pot, and that morning we just dumped the whole bag and the big lima beans in a crock pot, and both of us went to work. When we got back home, we had lima beans aplenty. They were all over the counter. They were all over the floor. <laughs> they almost pushed us back out the front door as we were trying to get in the front door. But you had to start somewhere. And so we have those funny memories, those funny stories. That, And uh, so that was us. That was Hatchman Apostolic Church many years ago when we were launching out because we felt that God was doing something in our midst. If I could take you all the way back to that particular point in time, if I could take you back to that place in time, then I would assure you today that the, the landscape of our church was considerably different. And I'm not just talking about numbers, and I'm certainly not being critical of anything that has happened here uh, up to this point. But I'm just telling you that God has been mighty good to us. He has blessed us. And when uh, I am not ignorant to the fact that, especially for the size of the church that we are, we have an exorbitant amount of talent and ability. And God has gifted us. And I don't think that he has gifted us uh, with this just so that we can sit on it. But I believe God has plans for us. And so we begin to step out and... uh, and I could have never dreamed what started then would have evolved into what it is today. And I have great hopes about our tomorrow. It was just simply an observance of the word of God speaking something into our lives. And I want to pause and be very, very clear about something here this morning. I realize that as a pastor of the church that I can do little more than just cast a vision. I'm very limited in what I can do. I can only, I and any pastor can only cast the vision that God places in my heart for us as a church. On the other side of that equation, and this is critical, on the other side of that equation, there has to be a church family that is willing to rise and embrace that vision and help bring that into fruition. I'm going to tell you today without a doubt that there are many, many frustrated pastors and frustrated churches that dot our globe because of the lack of people in the pew that will catch the vision that is being cast. Because of people that are just comfortable where they are, they're happy with the status quo, uh, just us four and no more, and let's just kind of come in, do our own thing, and go home and mark time. And so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart that you have opted not to be a congregation that would just be happy with things as they are, but we would also realize, thank you for what we've been given and blessed with, but we sense that you want to do something even greater in our midst. And so it takes this harmony between the pulpit and the pew because anything less than that, than hopes and dreams and whatever God would want to bring into fruition would just simply die in the streets. The apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, this was not an egomaniac, as I have said many, many times. Paul was not a man that was just intoxicated on the sound of his own voice. I don't think anything could be further from the truth. Paul was just a man that was confident in the God that he was serving. And so as we started this process, I ask of you the same thing that Paul asked of his followers, and that was to follow me as I follow Christ. Don't follow me off into some foolishness. Don't follow me off into something crazy, amen, but follow me as I follow Christ. I committed myself to being sensitive, as sensitive to the Lord as I could possibly be. I felt confident confident that God would open the right doors at the right time. 
However, thing, however, there's one thing that I know about the Lord, and there's one thing that you know about the Lord, and that is, is that generally God will only open one door at a time because he's going to see what we do with this door. And we would love for God to just open them all up and show us the way clearly, but that is not how God works because God is going to see what we do with the first door and then the next door and the next door. I shared with you a couple of Sundays ago about how the Lord dealt with me in the very onset of this about increasing our global missions involvement. Now, I want to be clear. We have always been a church that supported global and home missions. And um, from the very beginning, the church was supporting global and home missions before I ever landed here. But I just felt that God was wanting something more of us, that we would raise up uh, I, that we would raise up. I remember several years ago, and I, I think that uh, God allows us to be exposed to certain things to plant seed in our lives. And so I look back, and I, a couple of weeks ago, I shared some uh, personal stories, and I may do that along and along here today. But I remember uh, being invited to preach in a church that, frankly, I felt completely unqualified to be standing in the pulpit. But while I was there, I knew that God was wanting to show me something. And I remember being in that church. It was a church much, much larger than this. I remember, and of course, this was many years ago as well. But I remember the pastor that day talking about missions. And they were, uh, as a matter of fact, in that service, um, there, was, there was a missionary that had just been with them on the, the Wednesday night before. And for whatever reason, I can't remember the details of that, but uh, the uh, goats were very popular and uh, was a staple meat, and, and, and so they were, they were raising money to buy goats. And uh, you remember that they were raising money to buy goats, and, and so here we're, here we're in this uptown church, and I mean all these polished people, and they're all just, it felt like I was at an auction. They were buying goats to send over here to these, <laughs> to send over here to these missionaries, and I found it quite humorous. But at the end of all of that, the pastor told me, he said, you know, and he said, very, very humbly, he said, I... He said, this past year, we were able to give $30,000 to missions. And I thought, wow, wow, that just seemed like such an astronomical figure. And that figure got lodged in my heart. And I just began to sit in my soul, not as a competition. He and I have never discussed this ever again. He, he wouldn't even remember this conversation. But that just got lodged in my heart. And I thought, what it, wouldn't it be a neat thing for Hatchby and Apostolic Church one day to be able to say that in an annual year's giving that we gave $30,000 to missions. In this process, I want to tell you that more than once we've been able to do that. And I'm very, very honored and I'm very humbled by that. <laughs> and we're a common church filled with common people. And so you're not sitting, uh, you can relax. You're not sitting here today. Uh, next to multi-millionaires and billionaires, but you are sitting here next to King's kids who understand the value of giving and the value of sacrifice. And so as God began to open the door, we stepped through that door. We started with an opportunity of giving, and so we gave. And then God opened a new door for us, and that was a door of going, and so we went. Not just once, not just twice, but we have sent men from this church over the last several years, over and over again. Whether they were building churches in Guatemala, Guyana, Malaysia, or the Dominican Republic, when the call came, they went. 
when an opportunity presented itself for us to join together with other churches here in Florida and build a building for a congregation that did not have a building, we did. The end result of those efforts was a brand new church building for a congregation in Port Orange, Florida. Today, I am proud to announce to you that High Point United Pentecostal Church is thriving under the leadership of Brother and Sister Ken Sharp. Our efforts were not in vain. On, on more than one occasion, we have had opportunities for our men to work on projects at the campground. All of this was done through the extension of our Florida District Men's Ministry. Countless hours, dollars, and manpower has gone into the latest project overseas, which is an orphanage for homeless children in Guatemala. And when you think about I could not sit here all day and take your time to think about how the inception of all of this came about. And it just really all started when a good friend of mine and his wife could not have children. And so they went to Guatemala and adopted a child. That was that simple, one simple act. We had no idea, and I'm sure that Rodney and Marcy had no idea what God was doing, and he was planting a seed, and it began then to form. And uh, in the process of meeting, in the process of adopting their children, they've since adopted an, uh, two children from Guatemala, but in the process of all that, they were able to meet Brother and Sister Brad Thompson, who, of course, is a household name in this church today. None of us knew at that moment what God was about to do. Amen. But, you know, when, when we align our efforts with the efforts of others, then our strength becomes their strength and their strength becomes ours. When we align ourselves with others, then their resources become our resources and our resources become their. And so when this dream began of an orphanage in Guatemala, it was an overwhelming task. I remember sitting down in the very first meeting and they were talking about just the acquisition of property was an overwhelming process just to find property to build. And then once the property was acquired, to be able to assemble men from all over our fellowship and all over America and various parts of the world to go to one central spot on a globe and then build uh, an orphanage. And you know, many of you know the story, how that uh, one of the first homes that were built on this campus was going to be called the Florida Home because it had been Florida that had been at the helm of much of this in the very beginning. And uh, in a men's conference within just about 15 or 20 minutes, how that all the cash money was just brought and laid on the altar to build the, the very first home. And today I will report to you that we are just weeks away from this becoming a reality. And so this is not just a pipe dream that somebody said, I know what let's do. I know what we could do. And, and then somewhere it just kind of got vaporized in time. It's been a daunting task, uh, an overwhelming obstacles that have had to be overcome again and again. But I will tell you that we're just around the corner from the first children being able to move onto this new campus. We've been able to do all of this because we decided that we were going to follow the Lord. Abraham went, he didn't know where. Abraham went without direction. He just followed the Lord. Amen. He didn't know where God was going to take him, but he was willing to follow him. I've stated many times along the way, the Lord gave me this promise as we begin this journey, and that promise was this. If you will help build churches for others when it is time, I will help you build a church for here. 
This has not been something that I have taken lightly. I would tell you this morning that I tremble in reverent fear just, re, just to repeat those words before you again. Toward the end of 2014, I began to sense a change as God began to deal with my heart again about us moving forward. I feel in my heart that the timing of the Lord was now, and so we are readying ourselves for those steps. I can assure you that this has not been something that has been taken lightly, and I alluded uh, to it a couple of weeks ago, but I just can't tell you what a journey that I have been on for many, many months, if not even a couple of years. I stand confident in one thing, and that is that God will never bring us to something and then not bring us through it. He will never lead us up to the edge of the Red Sea and not give us passage across it. God will never lead us up to Jericho and then not make some way for us to be able to accomplish that. So that's just how God does business. Throughout the word of God, there have always been things that have, have served as established guidelines for victory and success in our lives. From the genesis of this book all the way through to its revelation, there is a common thread of truth that runs through and remains as a path for us to follow. With the help of the Lord, I want to share with you some projections that I feel are, are laying in our, in our within hand's reach as an opportunity for us as a church. Proverbs 29 and 18, the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so I want to have vision. I always want to have vision. You know, I don't think that vision is something that you have to lose in time. I think vision is something that you can possess all of your life to have hope, to push, to drive, to always do something for the kingdom of God. Of course, I think it's imperative to the future of any church to have a vision for the church. I'm thankful for men and women who were able to look at nothing, step out on nothing, because they believed that it wasn't always going to be nothing. They believed that God was going to meet them more than halfway. And so we need to have dreamers in our midst. We need to have men and women among us that dare to dream. We need to have youth among us that dare to dream and old alike that dare to dream. I say, Lord, give us some dreamers. Amen. Here, uh, when we read about the story of Joseph and as he had dreams as a young man and we all can have our opinion as to how he may have handled or mishandled those dreams, but one thing is for sure, when his brothers saw him coming, they recognized one thing, even though they despised him in his heart. They had to give him credit for one thing, and they said this, here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. Amen. I know they said it with clenched teeth, and they said it with a spirit of disdain, but I would like for it to be said of us that when people see us coming, here comes the dreamer. Somebody that's not willing to lay down the ax, somebody that's not willing to put the hammer on the anvil and say goodnight, but I want to have a dream in my heart. Amen. And so we need dreamers. God, give us some dreamers. Obviously, dreamers among us need to be coupled with the ability to carry out those dreams. The same writer that gives us the challenge of having a vision in Proverbs is also the same writer that gives us Ecclesiastes 5 and 3. Solomon said in Proverbs that without a, peop, without a vision, people perish. This same Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, for dream for a dream cometh through a multitude of business. And so you can't just wish something into existence. Amen. You can't wish a prayer life into existence. You can't wish consecration into existence. 
You can't wish Bible study into existence. Somewhere at some point, you got to say, Lord, I need you now to give me faith to put some legs to this and help me to start somewhere. And then I don't know about you, but there are times in prayer, whenever I kneel down, it's not hard to pray for quite a while. And then other times it seems a pretty daunting task to pray 10 minutes. You got to push. You got to, in those times, you got to push a little bit harder. Sometimes it's not hard to pick up the word of God and begin to read and, and because maybe what you're reading you, it resonates in your heart or you relate to it, it's not hard to just sit there and read that and hold on to it and thoughts just kind of seem to pop off the page and into our heart and mind. And other times it seems like that book's wound just a little bit tighter. And so it's those times that I gotta have the tenacity to just stay with it and say, Lord, help me. <coughs> I don't know what to do here. <coughs> Thank you. And uh, we've got to have the ability to know what to do with that, to press, to press home. Amen. The kingdom of God is an operation of faith. However, that, that does not negate the fact that somewhere along the line, business has to be done, decisions have to be made along with the ministry of the word. And at some point, of course, we have to roll up our sleeves and uh, we have to go to work, we have to dig a ditch, and, and then we have to get dirt under our fingernails. For a long time now, we can sense that we have needed a new sanctuary. However, it's not just the fact that we need more room here. We are literally outgrowing ourselves everywhere. I say that humbly. Amen. It's growing pains, but that's not to say that they're not painful. We've outgrown our Sunday school rooms and our dining hall and various other things, and so we feel the pressure of this. For a long, long time, uh, I've told our, our leadership that things that we used to do in the past, like Friends Day and things of that nature, we just kind of had to put things of, of, of that sense on hold because I don't think it's fair to go out and beat the bushes and invite people to come where you know you can't sit them. And uh, so we don't want our guests coming in and can't find a seat. They're only going to do that a few times. And uh, so we've had to scale back some of the things that we're doing. And, and so we're feeling the pressure of this in various places. Amen. I think that, uh, that the Spirit of the Lord has just brought us to a place we realize and recognize that we need to do something. We are working diligently now to figure out what that something is. And we're working with people that can help us and, get, and lead us and guide us along those paths. I can't think along these lines and not be reminded of the story that we find in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is probably, probably one of my favorite stories when I read about how that Nehemiah looked out and he saw a situation and he didn't, he didn't just buy into just staring at it and camping out and looking at it, but he bought into the vision of doing something about it, making a change. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verses 17 and 18. I'm just for the sake of time going to read just a few verses. The Bible says of Nehemiah, Then I said unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. And I just want to pause there. I appreciate the fact that Nehemiah first wanted to point out this is not just my idea. This is not just something that I see as an issue. But he said, I want you to join me. And I want you to look around and you see the distress that we're in. And I realize today that everybody, especially in this particular audience, everybody here is not a Sunday school teacher or you don't work with children's ministry or you don't work with a lot of the things that take place in our annex. 
Uh, and so you don't have to deal with a lot of these things, but those who are there and in those situations understand well. Uh, this is not a tragedy, and this happens to happen many, many times, but we have to share rooms with everything that we do. And so what is a Sunday school room today will have to be used for something else on Wednesday night and on and on and on and on. And, uh, and so uh, that's all well and fine, but it can be problematic. And uh, because it's like, it would be like you sharing your home with somebody. Because we have very great Sunday school teachers who are, they're thinkers and they set their room up with a theme and it's all set up. And then on Wednesday night, the people that are in there on Wednesday night, they also have ideas and themes as well. And so you can see the conflict of interest. And so far, I haven't had to bail anybody out of jail. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just talking about some of the things that we face. And uh, so I, I, I appreciate the fact that Nehemiah said, ye see the distress that you, we're in. You see where we are and realize that we have to do something about this. He said, how that Jerusalem lieth waste. He didn't just leave it to speculation, but he underlined, here's the situation. And that the gates thereof are burned with fire. Then he said, come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them that the hand of God, now this is, the confidence of Nehemiah, and I love this, and I try to pray this often. He said, I told them, I want you to see the distress that we're in. Here's the situation. Here's what we can do about it. Let's rise up and build. And here's the confidence that we can march forward in. He said, I told them that the hand of my God, which was good upon me. In other words, God is with us in this effort. He has anointed us. Also, has also the king's words that he has spoken unto me. And so what Nehemiah was saying is, he says, I feel like I had the favor of God upon my life for this project, and I feel like I had the favor of the king upon my life for this project. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Nehemiah saw a scene when he returned to Jerusalem about 445 B.C. And, and the, most of the city lay in ruin. The walls had been broken down and, and were burned. And so he shared his God-given vision and the people responded. We have to remind ourselves from time to time that the church belongs to God. And many times I have to say, Lord, I need you to help me. Amen. This is your church, and so we need you to lead us and guide us. And so with that truth settled in our heart, we also have to understand that God is never without an answer to do what we need done. But God has also opted to use the force or the strength of human hands. Amen. That's true whether it is in our times of trouble or whether it is in our times of distress whether it is in times of growth or revival, God knows exactly what we need and he will supply that need. I have referred to this passage many times through the years and I find great strength here. This passage reveals four hands, four hands that are involved in any kind of undertaking for the kingdom of God. And I think we could apply these to small situations, medium or large I think, I think that you can find these things uh, present in almost anything that you're trying to do for God. In Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse number 18, I read that a moment ago. I told them that the hand of God was good upon me, the king's word that he has spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So, we strengthened, so they strengthened their hands for this good work. Then verse number 19 
The Bible says, but when Sanballat, the Hornite, and Tobiah, the servant, and the Ammonite, and Geshem, and the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? You see, any, with any building or any rebuilding effort, we've got to have the hand of God with us. We need the strength and the power of God to go with us and before us. Additionally, God always uses the hands of outsiders. Amen. He will always use the hand of people that in some cases have no vested interest in what, in what project may be going on. I have friends, and I'm encouraged by things like this. I have pastor friends that uh, have been in building programs before. Uh, one comes to mind where while they were building uh, their new sanctuary, uh, one of the businessmen in their town that did not attend their church then does not attend their church now. But he just drove up on the job site one day and he said, you know, I want to tell you that I really appreciate what this church has done in this community through the years and I would like to make a contribution to your building program. And he wrote him a check for $100,000. Amen. Here was a man who had no vested interest. His children did not go to Sunday school there. His grandchildren did not go to church there. This is not a church that his grandmother attended. But God just moved on the heart of someone who had no vested interest in what was going on. And I'm telling you that God can and will do the very same thing. He has done that in our past. When we were building our annex a number of years ago, we got uh, all of the drywall hung in, the, in our annex and half of it was finished and then uh, we lost our drywall finisher and, and uh, didn't know what we were going to do. We, we just couldn't find anybody to do it and it just seemed like for a few days everything was just went stalemate. And uh, I met a man. I went to a funeral and I met a man. We had heard of one another and uh, but we had never met. I met him at the funeral, and uh, we stood and talked just a little bit. Somehow or another, he knew that we were building in a building program, and so I told him about that. He said, how are you coming along with that? So I, I, I said, well, you know, to be honest with you, we're about halfway through the finishing of our sheetrock, and, uh, and uh, we're, we're just looking for somebody to help us out. And he said, you know, I, I know a man, and he said, I'll make a phone call. Now, this man that he knew lived in Bellevue, and, uh, and so I, that was all he said. He said, I know a man, and I'll make a phone call and see what we can do. In just a few days on a Saturday morning, my wife and I at that time lived uh, between here and where we live now on the church property. And, and uh, on, early on a Saturday morning, I heard something outside. And uh, so I, I opened the back door of our home, and I looked out, and I saw lights on over here in the, in the dining hall and that area. And, man, I got dressed. I took I didn't know what in the world was going on. And uh, that man, already by 6 o'clock or so, I don't know when he left Bellevue, but he was over there finishing that building. A man I had never met before, and I have never laid eyes on him again. He would not take one red penny for that work. What I'm telling you is that God doesn't have the ability to just touch us. <laughs> Amen. But God can lay it on the hearts of others to get involved and help us along the way. I'm very, very thankful for that. And so I'm, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the funeral. <laughs> I'm thankful for the funeral that started a conversation. And so uh, I'm thankful that God uses the hands of outsiders to open certain doors. As I sat down with our trustees in January and began to share with them about what 
God had been dealing with me about. I shared with them how much money we had, as I did with you a couple of weeks ago, and the project that stood before us. And so when I finished speaking, the first person uh, that spoke up was Brother Danny Newburn. He leaned forward, and I will never forget this moment. He just leaned forward, and, and uh, with a very sober tone in his voice and tears in his eyes, he said, I want to just remind us uh, of something in Scripture. And here was a timeless truth who Brother Danny doesn't even consider himself a preacher, or he didn't at that point. I don't know what's happened since January. <laughs> Y'all haven't been shopping for RVs or anything, have you? <laughs> What I'm about to share with you may serve as a catalyst to just start a worldwide ministry right now, so hold on, because you'll be able to say, I was there when it happened. I don't want to laugh through this moment because it was a very serious moment, but he leaned up, and with tears in his eyes, he reminded us of Joshua chapter 3. He, mean, it wasn't, he said, it wasn't, it wasn't until the feet of the priest touched the swollen rivers of Jordan that the, that the waters began to part. This wasn't like the first time the children of Israel came to the Red Sea. It was at that moment that the Lord spoke to Moses and said, just extend the rod. What's that in your hand? And you hold that rod, and when he held out the rod, the water parted, and they went across on dry ground. However, this time, was, God was requiring an additional step of faith. Amen. As Brother Danny began to present that challenge, I felt the presence of the Lord confirming a promise to all of us who were sitting in our dining room. We could wait, or could we wait until we raise every penny that we need before we start? The answer to that is an obvious yes. However, in doing so, we may leave very little room for God to exercise and do anything miraculous for us. I mean, I know there's a difference between faith and foolishness, and there's a fine line, but I know there are times that we have to act on what God has done in the past and what he will do in the future. God cannot honor faith that has not been exercised. And so in Joshua 3 and 17, here's what we find. Joshua 3 and 17 reveals to us the miracle of the priest standing on dry ground. That's an awesome story. They're standing on dry ground. However, if you read the progression of these scriptures, here's what you'll find. In Joshua 3 and 13, in Joshua 3.13, the Bible says, And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. Verse 13 is what the Lord said would happen. Amen. I want you to say with me, that was the word. That was the word. The word of the Lord said, now as soon as the sole of their feet touches the water, right then the water that's coming from above is going to stop and it's just going to stand on a heap. That was the word. Verse number 15, and as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and here it is, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water. That's what the Bible says. Dipped into the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks, all of the harvest. Amen. This was not the word of God. We've already had the word of God, but this was faith in action. Can you say that with me? Faith in action. 
Amen. We had the word of God that come and said, as soon as their feet touch, now what are you going to do with that word? Amen. We're going to sit on that word and we're going to hold that word and we're going to put the word up on the mantle and build a glass case around it or are those priests going to get up under the load and they're going to walk out there faith in action and then we come to verse 17 and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. Amen. All of the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. I want you to say with me, this is the fulfillment of the word. Amen, the fulfillment. Amen, we had the word and then we had faith in action and now we have the fulfillment of that word. Amen, there could not have been a 17th verse if somebody did not hear and receive verse 13 and then act on verse number 15. Amen. Everybody wants the miracle, but we don't want our faith out of sorts. Everybody wants the healing, but nobody wants to be sick first. Everybody wants the miracle, but they don't want the mess. And so I would say to you this morning that if there is going to be a verse 17, then we gotta receive 13 and we gotta step out into 15 if we're ever going to experience 17. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. God is good to us, isn't he? That's a good place to stop. If we stop right there, will you promise you'll come back? We're not going anywhere, but just come back. Here in just a few minutes, let's stand together. You didn't think it could be done. Amen, but God is gonna touch our heart. Amen, I have more to say. Would you stay connected with us as we're gonna worship and bless the Lord and praise him? Amen, I'm gonna get my second win here and we're gonna let the spirit of God speak to our heart. Can we re receive the word now and pray and ask God to just help us to receive this in Jesus' name. I love you today. I magnify your name, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.